In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Three in One who comes and makes us incorruptible, undefiled, and completely alive. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, ever since we've had a house, I've been wanting to do something that I've only done over the past few months, and I've really enjoyed it. And it is kind of weird, though. You see, the thing that I really kind of wanted to have all throughout the time that I was living in an apartment and even part of the time that we were living at the house was I always wanted a compost pile. See, I told you it was kind of weird. But I always wanted a compost pile because compost piles are just kind of interesting to me. Seeing how you can take that stuff, the coffee grounds and the banana peels and the orange rinds, and you can put that all on the compost pile, and then in about a year later, you come and it's all black and brown and slimy and really awesome. Well, I guess... Awesome if you're into compost piles. But you see, that's something that interests me. It's something that really kind of shows me what the world is like. And it's something that shows what this world is like in kind of a big sense to us. You see, we're used to a world that breaks down. A world that decays, a world that decomposes. We're used to a world that goes from being a solid whole and then goes into being a blackish, brownish, kind of slimy mess. That's what we're used to in this world. We're used to a world that breaks down. And we know it very well. We know it well because we know that our electronics, most of them have, well, basically a shelf life of maybe three years. We spend quite a bit of time picking out the milk in the grocery store that has the very latest expiration date. And we do all sorts of other things kind of with this knowledge that the world is temporary. That the world isn't here to stay. That there are things in our lives but they're transient. And they'll go away eventually. We even know that about the lives of our loved ones and about our own lives. We know that this world is transient and temporary for them as well. We know that because we've seen many of those people who have gone on before us. We know because we've seen people die. And we know what happens when we take them and we put them in the ground. We may not like knowing what happens, but we know that it's there. And we know that it's a real part of our lives and who we are. Of course, that shouldn't surprise us really. We are who we are because of sin. We are who we are because this whole world is corrupted. This whole world has been destroyed by sin. If you don't believe me, just take a look at the times that you sin. You know that time when you coveted that thing that your neighbor has? But didn't all of your stuff at that point then seem a little bit corrupted and a little bit 
a little bit worth less. Or maybe you even went as far as to deal strangely and shrewdly in order to get what your neighbor had. Maybe you even stole. And if you stole, well, didn't it make everything else seem to have a little bit less value? Isn't that what the entire record industry is experiencing right now? That all of the sudden, when we sin... Things get corrupted in our lives. Well, we're used to corruption and we're used to this reading, aren't we? We're used to this story of disbelieving Thomas. We're used to this story. It's one of the few Bible stories that pretty much everybody in here can probably say, Oh yeah, I know that one. You're a little bit shaky when it comes to who the heck Ananias is. But doubting or disbelieving Thomas, you're pretty sure, Oh, I know that one. And I think I know the moral of the story, too. Probably everybody in here would say, Well, the moral of that story, the moral of the story of disbelieving Thomas, is that, Well, you better believe Jesus. Because when He shows up again to show you that He's really real... Well, it might be too late at that point. And that's not necessarily a bad way of thinking about this story, but maybe it's a little bit incomplete. You see, there's something else to this story that really gets down and digs down deep into our expectations of what this world is like. And so if you think back through that gospel reading, if you kind of rewind in your mind through that gospel reading, what you have happening is that all of a sudden, Jesus rises from the tomb, and then he shows up to his disciples who are scaredy cats hiding in an upper room somewhere so that people won't kill them. The doors are locked. And yet Jesus shows up and he says, Peace be with you. Because they're probably all a little bit scared. The doors are locked. And then he breathes on them. And he says, If you forgive anybody their sins, they are forgiven. And if you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. And then he goes. And the disciples are all crazy about this. Of course, Thomas wasn't there. And so Thomas, when he shows back up, he says, Well... You know, you guys are just trying to trick me. I don't really believe that... I'm not going to believe in fact until I see the nail holes in his hands, until I see the hole in his side. And what's really interesting there, if you just pause it at that very moment, if you look at the proof that Thomas is asking for, Thomas is asking for proof not that Jesus is alive necessarily, but he's asking for proof of his death. He's asking to see the things that killed him. It's like if somebody came up to you and asked and told you that JFK was alive, that you would say, well, you know, I don't really believe you, not until I see his brain splattered across the car. He's asking for proof of something that he knows. And we ask for proofs of things that we know. Because deep down inside, the resurrection doesn't make sense to us. Deep down inside, the thing that makes sense to us is death. The thing that makes sense to us is decay. The thing that makes sense to us is decomposition. 
The thing that makes sense to us is that our Lord, that He died on that cross, should remain dead. Yeah, He paid the price for our sins, and that's great. But do we really expect Him to be alive? Do we really expect Him to be alive when we get into our cars on Monday morning? Do we really expect Him to be alive when we sit down at work on Wednesday afternoon? Do we really expect Him to be alive when we sit down in these chairs on Sunday morning? Do we? Or are we a little bit like disbelieving Thomas? Do we tend to think of the world in terms of death and decay and decomposition? You see, our minds are put into this world. This world that is filled with things that break down, things that bust, things that don't work anymore. And so we expect the same thing out of God. We expect that sometimes God won't work for us. Which is bizarre if you think about who we believe God really is. And so sometimes we get caught in this broken thinking. This thinking of a world that is completely broken. And what has to happen is that Jesus has to show up into our lives and scare us. And show us something that doesn't make sense to our minds. He has to show up and show us that He is alive. And that His aliveness transcends what happened on the cross. That His cross was really real. But that His resurrection is even more real. And you know how we can tell what the difference is in the way that you're thinking? It comes with how you think Jesus came through that wall. How do you think He did it? Most of us probably have this sense that Jesus, being sort of spiritual or ghost-like, kind of diffused Himself through that wall. Like his atoms split up and he went through the reality of the wall. But if you think about it, there's another way to think about who Jesus is and how he did that. And that way is that Jesus is even more real than the wall. That for Jesus, walking through a wall is like walking through smoke. That for Jesus, walking through a wall is like walking through water. That Jesus' reality actually trumps the reality of this world. And if you believe that, then you can begin to wrap your mind around what Thomas saw that day. What he saw was not broken thinking. What he saw was not a broken Savior. What he saw was a Savior who was more real than anything we've ever seen before. And if you follow in His footsteps, if you have faith in who He is and what His forgiveness means and what He did for you on the cross, then one day, even though you go into that tomb and you end up like one of those orange rinds on my compost pile, 
one day you will rise again to new life and you will be able to feel that reality which Jesus won for you. Amen.